All right, welcome to Peeps Creek, the cafe where we serve you delightful, slightly intense, but definitely worthwhile conversations. A podcast focused on bringing people together by drinking, listening, and conversing. So grab your favorite drink and let's see what's on today's menu. All right, people, welcome to Peeps Creek, the cafe. You know, here at the cafe, we always have a drink. I have my water here, right here, boom, boom, boom. And today, I am going to make a Hellfire Manhattan, okay? And <clears throat> before we do that, I do want to take this quick moment to give my condolences to the family of Sarah Dash. For those of you who don't know who Sarah Dash is, Sarah Dash is one of the founding members of Patty the Bell and the Bluebells. She was also in the LaBelle group. She also, you know, it's a kitty, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And for those of you who know me, you know that Patty LaBelle is my favorite artist and I love LaBelle, the group. And she also has Center Man and things of that nature. Well, anyhow, she was in Jersey this weekend. I believe it was on Saturday. She happened to go on stage with Miss Patty LaBelle while Miss Patty was there in Atlantic City. It was a great opportunity for them to just get on stage with one another. She got up there, they performed. It was just impromptu. And. Yeah, the crowd was going wild. And then on Monday, um, so you just never know in this world how much time you have. So it's best to try to use your time wisely. It's absolutely no time and effort or necessary for people to be engaged in all of this unnecessary anger with one another. I am trying my best to avoid it. I had someone to try to get me out of my element this weekend, actually on Sunday. But yeah shit don't work with me so i'm just going to live life to the fullest because you never know when it is your last days on this great earth all right so this is my first time trying to do this hellfire manhattan and why do i call it a hellfire manhattan and that is because for my bitters instead of the normal bitters i am using some habanero bitters that is going to make it spicy and today's topic is absolutely relevant for something that is a spicy drink because the topic itself is spicy. We are going to be talking about in this episode, episode 51, it is entitled, Who's the Victim? We are going to be talking about two individuals at the time was an 18-year-old. His name was Torrance, but he went by TJ Mitchell. And then we have a 27-year-old at the time named Ronald Taylor Jr. But before we do that, let's cheers to Miss Dash, all her memories, legend, give them their flowers while they're here today. And here at the Peeps Creek, the cafe, we are going to taste this Hellfire Manhattan. Mm. It's actually pretty good. Look at me bartending one-on-one over here. It is kind of spicy though. Mmm. All right, so we are in Bloomfield, Connecticut. Now, when I heard this, I was, the first thing I thought about was Bloomfield Hills in Michigan. So I thought it was in Michigan, which is my home state from Detroit, 313, boom, boom, boom. The actual city, not the outskirts trying to claim the city, the actual city. All right, 
but anyhow we are in bloomfield connecticut we have as i indicated we have 18 year old tj mitchell who is a high school athlete by all accounts he was a phenomenal athlete he was the co-captain of the high school football team bloomfield high school was one of those local high schools where everyone came out for their particular games it was like you know nfl for bloomfield connecticut it was an excited time excited season apparently mr mitchell had a lot of uh, momentum going on for purposes of whether or not he's going to be picked up for different recruiters for different colleges based upon his skills in fact as i understand it as early as his sophomore year individuals were looking at him because of his sheer ability athletic ability when it comes to playing football and so he was a beloved individual or at this particular time and this is in 2013 okay 2013 we start off this particular episode on november the 21st this was the night before a major football um, game for Bloomfield. Bloomfield was playing their local rivals, which everyone was coming out the next day and anticipation of Bloomfield actually winning and kicking the rivals ass, right? Okay. But on the eve of this football game, there was a 911 call. There was a young lady on the line. She indicated that it seemed as if there were two, three people scuffling, fighting, and that someone needs to come out there and see what's going on. So the police get into their vehicles, right? They're zooming in. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Right? And the, the, the lights, the, the sirens are going. They arrive and they see two young men. One is on the the ground face down the other one is standing on top of him or at least hovering above him both men are covered in blood complete blood right blood everywhere apparently right and so one of them on the ground was severely hurt severely hurt injured his name was ronald taylor ronald taylor as i indicated i think i've said this already he was a 27 year old at this particular time in november the 21st 2013 T.J. Mitchell was also there, and T.J. Mitchell was the star football athlete there, but he was the one who was hovering over Mr. Taylor. And T.J. appeared to have blood on him, appeared to have some injuries. Now, I would say they were superficial injuries, but putting that aside, he was injured. He was covered in blood. The cops tried to speak to Ronald to try to figure out who did this to you? Who would want to hurt you? But he was so badly wounded from whatever, whoever attacked him that he could barely breathe. And so his ability to communicate was virtually non-existent or it could be that he didn't want to disclose who attacked him. The police asked the other only individual who's able to communicate with them what happened, like what's going on here, right? And so TJ tells them that, you know, they were excited, they were outside his house, they were in front of TJ's house or at least in the vicinity of his home. They were outside talking about the game and how they're going to kick their rival's ass. Now, apparently, because Ronald was 27, he was not on the football team, but he was an avid watcher of the game. He he supported the game, and in fact, he never missed one TJ's games, okay? So TJ tells him that he knows Ronald and that they were out here and they were discussing the game, all excited, and out of the blue, two 
included individuals come and began attacking them. They began stabbing Ronald. They attempted to stab TJ. They, they were successful in stabbing him in his hands, but Ronald was stabbed all over the place. TJ apparently was able to run away from the, the attackers and he hid behind his home while the attackers continued to attack Ronald. Okay. As the police are there, they, they're contacting the ambulance and they're contacting dispatch and telling them, look, you need to speed this um, ambulance up because the individual who is on the ground is severely injured. Like we're he is he needs help and he needs medical attention asap and so the ambulance the medical professionals arrive they take rano taylor away from the scene of the crime to to get medical treatment and they begin to assess the the crime scene right because at this particular point obviously someone is attacked first degree assault given the the nature of the the injuries for Mr. Taylor as well as the nature of the injuries of TJ and the fact that these individuals just came out and attacked them. So first degree assault is what, what they're looking at at this particular time. They start canvassing the scene. They notice, they believe that they find the weapon that injured the parties. It seemed to be a serrated kitchen knife of some sort. But when they looked at the knife on the ground, the knife was actually broken, right? So who, whoever had this knife was using it with such force, right? Such force that it caused the knife to break. Now, I don't know if this was one of those dollar store serrated, serrated knives or, or not, okay? But they didn't say, okay? But the knife broke. And so they also find a car that's open, a door that's open and, and they go in and look at the car. And obviously it has blood around it as well so they come to find out that is the car of ronald taylor as they are talking to tj they're trying to find out you know did you see what they looked like he was like no they just had on hoods they were black and you know who 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 would want to do this is what they're asking him and you know tj basically said he doesn't know but he does know that ronald taylor had some bad business deals and this is where the when in the episode where in fact Hillipost right indicates that perhaps Ronald Taylor was into drugs okay now I'm going to save the the drama with that is marijuana okay now we know maybe in 2013 it's such a big deal it's like gateway marijuana's gateway jug to everything else i don't think there's been any studies to actually substantiate that claim nevertheless we know that a lot of states and a lot of jurisdictions are making marijuana legal whether it's recreational or medical and some jurisdictions are just flat out saying look we're not even going to prosecute it even though it's not technically legal in this jurisdiction we have bigger fish to fry so we you know Pushing it forward to 2021, it may not be a big deal, but at the particular time, 2013, this is what was going on. Maybe there was some bad drug deals. All right, so let's back up and let's talk about these individuals just a little bit and, and how they began to, to know each other. So obviously it's clear that there's an age gap between Ronald Taylor and TJ Mitchell, right? TJ is 18, Ronald is 27. If my math is correct, that's a nine year gap 
TJ is still in high school. Obviously, Ronald Taylor is not in high school with TJ. So how do they know each other? They met through TJ's stepbrother. So for all intents and purposes, Ronald was seen as like a big brother to TJ, right? Someone that he could have a reprieve from everything else that's going on in the world, right? So he's a star athlete. Everyone in their mama you know wants to be around him he has all these girls throwing themselves at him guys are envious of him guys want to be him guys want to you know have him around because he's popular and all these types of things so ronald was a reprieve for tj because ronald even though he was 27 years old he was cool right he he talked about football he came to all of tj's games they were able to re to relate with one another by playing video games with each other tj would you know talk about the things that he had to do for practice and things like that so for you know for all intents and purposes he was this individual with whom he didn't have to be on all the time. So sometimes when you're always on or have to always be on, sometimes you just need someone to go to, right? That you can just hang out with and shoot the breeze with, shoot the shit with, without any fear that that person is going to be judging you or, you know, trying to make you better or trying to, you know, talk you down or lecture you. And what Ronald Taylor was to TJ, right? Now, at this particular time, TJ was dating this young lady. Her name was Brittany Jenkins. Now, I would tell you that Killer Post talks about Brittany as well as Fatal Attraction. For those of you who don't know what Fatal Attraction is, I love those particular crime shows because they highlight crimes dealing with minorities, which is important to me and so in fact almost all of their shows if not i'm pretty sure 99.9 percent .9 of their episodes concern folks of color and crimes against and including individuals of color so both of these shows did this particular episode or this particular crime so we i'm going to be talking about them simultaneously because there are differences as i've already indicated on previous episodes um where we were discussing what was going on with with killer post but i say all that to say both of them talked about britney but at the end of the day i would tell you that she is not a major character in the whirlwind that is going to be involving the two main characters which is tj mitchell and ronald taylor all right now one thing in regards to what happened at the crime scene right when the police was there and they were talking to tj they were asking, you know, was anyone, did anyone try to take anything from you all? Did anyone try to rob you, right? Maybe this was the fact that they saw these two individuals in this particular affluent neighborhood because the neighborhood that this occurred in was fairly affluent and crimes were virtually non-existent in this particular neighborhood. So maybe this was a robbery gone bad, but TJ indicated that no one tried to rob them, right? So that gives you the, the automatic impression that this was personal right that, that someone had some kind of personal angst against either ronald or tj but given that ronald taylor received the the thrust of all of the stabs right of the the serrated knife it appears as if maybe they were after mr taylor so in route to the hospital mr taylor died right and so one thing that I would say is that, you know, a lot of these shows, they t tend to take the perspective of 
the assailant, the individual who remains alive, right? And so it's difficult sometimes, particularly to talk about these cases because you, you feel like you're talking more about the individual who did something or potentially other individuals who are alive who did something. I'm not saying that TJ is involved, right? But you don't get to hear the voice, the perspective of the victim, which is just unfortunate. And I realized that as I was you know, preparing for this particular episode, there's only so much I can say about Ronald Taylor. Now, I will say that on Fatal Attraction, they did have a lot of his family and friends there who would be able to speak his name, who were able to speak his name, who were able to place some kind of personable aspect of, of, about him, right? So that individuals can get to know him and know who he was, right? Now, so as, as I indicated, TJ told the cops, right, that maybe it was a drug deal gone bad, right? So why would he know this? So apparently in hanging out with Ronald Taylor, there was an incident where Ronald brought up this box and in that box was marijuana where he was smoking it himself. And, you know, he was also known by folks in the high school arena that he was a dealer. Right. And so TJ admit at least acknowledged that his introduction to marijuana allegedly was through Mr. Taylor, as well as his introduction allegedly to drinking was through Mr. Taylor. Right. So this is an individual who, even though he's older, apparently he wasn't afraid to sell marijuana to underage individuals and apparently was not afraid to allow underage individuals to drink. <laughs> with him all right now so in the in the process of trying to figure out who would stab mr taylor to death the police began to do some additional investigation it became clear that this wasn't the first time that mr taylor was stabbed right in fact 18 months prior to the stabbing which would which ultimately caused his demise he was stabbed fairly badly and i think at one particular point one the the stabbing was to the point that it punctured one of his lungs and so family members had to take him to the hospital but how did that pop off it essentially what was going on is that there's two versions that were was was told i'll tell you both you decide which one you you like better and roll with it because at the end of the day mr taylor isn't here to tell his side of story on either version in killer post the way that this happens is that mr taylor was smoking weed chilling with this other 16 year old individual the two of them were sharing drugs and in the process of him reaching over i guess to either grab some more weed or grab another joint the team pulled out a knife and starts stabbing him picked up the the weed and ran so apparently there was this i idea that this individual the 16 year old who at that particular time his name was hank barnett that he had intentions of robbing taylor and so he stabbed them right the other version of this on fatal attraction was that ronald was grinding marijuana doesn't know where but they were in his house grinding marijuana and the team stabbed them at the end of the day what is clear is that mr burnett stabbed right and so that individual served some time in juvenile but because he was a juvenile at the time we don't know how much time he served because those records are sealed so just so you all know let's take a quick moment to quickly educate those individuals who don't know a lot about the criminal justice system 
in most jurisdictions, there is a distinction. And I, I, I know you've seen things where they said we, we're going to try him as an adult, like Lee Malvoy, the sniper, one of the snipers from years ago. He was underage, right? His lawyers were trying to get them to charge him as a juvenile. Prosecutors were saying, due to the egregious natures of, of, of the crimes, that they wanted to charge him as an adult. Ultimately, they did. There's a distinction there. Why is that important? It's important because as a juvenile, there's only so much time you can do. And typically in most jurisdictions, once you become 18, then you have to be released from the juvenile detention. So, you know, let's say that I was 12, right? And I killed someone. There is a possibility that I could still be charged as a juvenile and I would be serving for that crime from 12 years until I'm 18 and then I'll be released, right? Typically in most jurisdictions, juvenile records are sealed, expunged because they are now an adult. And so that life, which they were juvenile, should not follow them and hinder them in the future. So that's why that's important um, for those who don't know. If you get entangled into the criminal justice system, there is a difference between being charged as a juvenile versus being charged as an adult. And one is definitely better than the other. There are also some jurisdictions that allow individuals, even as adults, to expunge their records, right? There are some jurisdictions that says, okay, yes, we treat juveniles differently, but it depends on how old you are. Maybe some jurisdictions, if you were 16 and younger, you, you, your records are sealed and automatically expunged if you commit a crime after 16 you could still be charged as a, a juvenile but your record will be open right now you can definitely petition the court um, if you meet certain criteria you have to follow whatever statute for that particular jurisdiction is but you can certainly petition the court to have your records expunged all right that's my educational point for the day you know on this podcast we always try to do that it's important all right but at any rate this individual could have been a prime suspect for this. Maybe he was pissed that Ronald went to the, the authorities to tell them what was going on. And so maybe he came back as revenge and he came back to complete the stabbing that he failed to complete the last time, even though he, you know, he severely injured Ronald and apparently punched along. Right. Ultimately, it was determined that it could not have been Hank. Now, it depends on which episode you look at. Killer Post says that it couldn't be Hank because he was in juvenile detention at the time of the incident on an unrelated incident, right? In other words, there was something else going on and he was locked up. On Fatal Attraction, it's just that his alibi checked out and he could not have been the individual present. Now, technically, Fatal Attraction, instead of focusing on the fact that this teenager had a, a record, they could have just said the alibi for purposes of not, you know, sensationalizing the fact that the individual has a record, which seems reasonable given the fact that fatal attraction tends to focus on minorities african-americans all right moving on so we know it's not this individual okay and so what happens is is that ronald carr is impounded now the the, the cops initially searched the vehicle um and didn't find information other than you know any other evidence other than the blood seeing the, the blood there on the second go around when his car is impounded the cops were able to find a cell phone okay now, whether or not there was a lock on the cell phone is uncertain. At the end of the day, the cops were able to enter into the cell phone to find some information. Why is the cell phone important? Because it could indicate maybe this was a drug deal gone bad, right? As TJ had indicated that he had engaged, he being Ronald Taylor, had engaged in some bad 
drug deals in the past. So maybe there's some text message phone calls that can lead the police to where they need to go for purposes of determining or not whether or not this was a um, drug deal gone wrong, right? So they searched for the phone through the phone for purposes of that, couldn't find anything. So they began going through pictures that indicated or gave the perception that Mr. Um, Taylor, Ronald Taylor, was interested in a man. In other words, there were pictures with guys that just were more than just this is my homie, right? All right. So that for for some folks, that is that was a ding 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 wake up call. Maybe there's something going on now. We're going to talk about this briefly, just about the political aspects of it. Given that this is that was in 2013, we're in 2021. There should be some differences, but unfortunately, I don't think those differences has really expanded, particularly when it comes to African-Americans and African-American community, when it comes to individual sexual preferences. Right. But putting that aside, this becomes a pivotal point in the investigation. Right. Because he is sleeping with men, apparently. And so that is another reason for motive for murder. I don't know why necessarily, right? That that in and of itself, that act in and of itself was enough to say, okay, this is something to move the needle, right? But what does move the needle a little bit in this investigation is that they began going through the text messaging between TJ and Ronald, right? Now, I indicated, you know, when I started this, that both of the individuals were attacked, both of them were cut, but I did say Ronald's wounds were superficial. Cut on his hand. When the other guy stabbed, was stabbed about 19 times, right? So that, that you know, you if, if you are stabbing someone for 19 times, you got an ax to grind. You, you are doing this to prove something. You have anger in you you have a desire to see this person on the other end of this object hurt right so that it is very personal first of all you got to get up on the person to, to stab them right As, normally stabbings are personal crimes right i think if you you go and do a lot of the research you will be able to see that it's rare that it's just a random stab like someone just walk back right now right it's some kind of afterthought there. It's some kind of purpose. It's something about being up and close and personal to show this person that you mean business when you have a knife, right? So the police uncover two things. They know that there are pictures of Mr. Taylor with other men and his phone. And they find text messages between TJ and Ronald. Now, these text messages don't necessarily uncover the truth about you know like something scandalous right but there are messages like ilu which is i love you and ilu2 which is i love you too so it became apparent that these individuals who were best friends or close friends it seemed as if maybe the two of them had a little more going on than what the eye saw right what's the saying than what the eye meant i don't know whatever all I know is this habanero, or no, this hellfire Manhattan is on point. All right. So they bring in TJ again to talk to him a little bit about this. What do these messages mean? You know, were the two of you a little more than what you're saying? And so as they are speaking with TJ, TJ ultimately states that he and Ronald Taylor were a couple, 
right and let's let's just we, we've been going for about 32 33 minutes let's just cut to the case if they come to find out tj is the one who did the stab all right now <laughs> i'm sure you all knew that because we talked about those two all right but let's talk a little bit about why this this occurred so according to tj he and ronald were just friends right he met ronald when he was about 15 or 16 ronald did present himself initially according to tj now i, I, I was not there ronald is not here to tell his side of the story i know his family friends probably think differently than what tj is alleging but unfortunately in the process of this we only have what tj is alleging for purposes of dissecting at least the crime right according to tj they started off as friends ronald was very supportive came out to the games really came out and showed himself to be a big brother type of thing but there was at some points where tj indicated that there was an indication that mr taylor showed interest and in being more than just friends all right and so TJ indicated that he rebuffed Mr. Taylor's efforts to be more than friends or engage in activities that were more than friends for um, for some time that he was not interested in doing anything with Ronald besides being friends. All right. So he didn't have a problem with Ronald being gay, according to TJ. He just wanted them to remain friends and, and remain homeboys and cool with one another. At some point. TJ indicates that they were at Ronald's abode. They were smoking, getting high. They had some drinks. TJ said that he had a little too much to drink and ultimately they engaged in sexual activity. Now, I am not clear how old TJ was, but what we do know, according to TJ, is that he and Ronald engaged in sexual relations for a two year period. Okay. So, Either it began when he was 16 through 18 or it began closer to his 15 up to 18. But there does seem to be a little hint of impropriety there and potentially, depending on the, the state, potentially statutory rape, right? Some many jurisdictions, however, if you're 16 and you sleep with someone older than you, you're capable of making decisions right now. Let's talk a little bit about statutory rape. I know it's not an issue in this case, but I do want to talk about what is statutory rape. Okay. Statutory rape is it doesn't matter whether the person you're sleeping with says i want to have sex with you or not it doesn't matter if you look at the id and they had a fake id and they show themselves to be older than what they are if in fact log shows is able to prove that at the time that intercourse occurred between one person and another person and that one person was older a certain age older than the other person there is no defense to it right statutory rape statutory rape it is rape okay you are going to jail period point blank period the end you you watch to catch a predator those type of things right now there are some jurisdiction and, and 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 this is important too you also need to look at what and understand what your jurisdiction identify as statutory rape there is some jurisdictions that says it does it doesn't necessarily have to be an adult right some jurisdictions if the individuals is individual is below the age of 15 and they have sex with one who's 17 or older that could be statutory rape there are some that says that you need to be 16 and three quarters before you are considered to be able to be able to say you engage in consensual sex so it's important 
that you actually know what the law says you read your jurisdiction law you don't want to be caught up unnecessarily whether it is as a teenager or not and some bs i i, I remember watching a deadline um a dateline episode where the, this was a huge thing between these two white folks right they the boy engaged in sex with the girl he could have swore she was 16 come to find out she was 15 and three quarters and under or something like that and under the that particular jurisdiction's law it was considered statutory rape and so that's just a something that you don't need to engage with and you don't need to have on your record but putting aside the issue of statutory rape there are also power dynamics in here right so you have a 27 year old you have an 18 year old and a lot of people when i go and i've read I started doing some research and reading the comments. A lot of folks were saying that he was, he Ben Ronald was molding and shaping individuals. And there were allegations that this was not the only person who he did this with, right? I don't know. I can't speak to that. I don't know if there was power dynamics. I, I, I don't know. I do know that, that there is a perception that because you are older, that there you automatically come into any relationship or interaction with someone who's younger. You come into that dynamic more powerful than that person but I, I i'm not sure that's always the case i think there are instances where an individual could be older right but the the more powerful player is the younger person because they are manipulating the older individual to make them believe that they are into this relationship they really want to be so it could be both ways i'm not saying that that's what occurred here I just don't agree automatically that just because someone is older that automatically that indicates that that person is more powerful and so therefore they're using their power structure as a way to dictate and control that relationship i think you have to with any relationship family friends intimate relationships you have to look at all of the dynamics in order to determine where the power plays occur ultimately tj admits that they engage in a relationship with one another for two years i think i said that but according to tj ronald was very jealous he didn't like the fact that tj was engaging with females he definitely didn't like the fact that he was communicating via text messages with other people but here is the kicker apparently he was pissed off that tj was sending emojis right like you know the happy face the lovey face to other people but he didn't do that with him so according to tj ronald was very jealous and to the point that at one particular point in 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 this matter that ronald posted on facebook a picture of tj for about five hours um on tj's wall and on that message it basically said bloomfield's gay football player right and so tj saw this he's freaked out he doesn't want his coaches to see this he doesn't want his classmates to think he's gay he doesn't want his family to see it and according to tj as well ronald had threatened right to not only post it on his wall but post it on his mother's wall and his grandmother's wall his grandmother been tj so tj was freaked out about this right here he is 18 He's the man of the hour. He's this guy that everybody wants to be around. He's engaging in his sexual relationship with this older man, right? Whether it's willingly or not, I don't know. I'm not I'm not gonna go into that battle right now because I didn't review the evidence and I don't know what the evidence showed. Okay. But at any route, there is this disdain 
from anyone finding out that he's engaging this this sexual relationship with this particular individual. So he's getting freaked out. He calls Ronald, bags him to take it down. Ronald says he'll take it down on the condition a that they are a couple. B that he gets rid of Brittany, which is the girlfriend, right? And so naturally, TJ acquiesces to this demand, right? All right, we together. Stop fucking with Brittany. But what he what he does is he tells Ronald this, but in all actuality, he continues to fuck around with Brittany, right? You know, and he continues his text messages with other people. Now, Brittany, of course, doesn't know that he's messing around with Ronald. And so he's basically keeping a secret from both of these individuals that he is seeing someone else, right? So Ronald takes down the picture. Things are apparently normal. And then at some particular point, Ronald finds out that TJ was lying. And so he sends a text message to TJ that basically says, I'm coming over. This isn't going to end well. Okay. And so when TJ receives that message, according to TJ, he's freaked out, right? Because that message indicated to him a threat for whatever reason. Now, I read the message and it could be seen as I'm coming over to blow your shit up in the sense that I'm going to cuss you out. I'm going to confront you and we're done right now. But I can see why this individual who is 18 may feel that this is a threat, right? But I don't know. We we haven't heard any other kind of threatening behavior from Ronald to indicate that that's the case. And in fact, in the interviews from Ronald's families and friends, family and friends who, who did interview on Fatal Attraction, one guy said, look, that's complete fucking bullshit. You can quote me on that. Is that what he said? So, no, no, I don't know. You, 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 you make your own choices on that. But what TJ says is that he saw that as a threat. And so what he did was he went into the kitchen and he took out a steak knife or whatever, put it in his pocket for protection. Now, here's where I, here's where even if, even if we go with the concept that this is a power dynamic, even if we go with the concept that Ronald was manipulating him, the fact of the matter is, is that Ronald was not at his house. They were not living together. TJ was in his house. He could have just stayed in his house. He could have chose not to go outside. He chose instead to go into the kitchen, grab a knife, and then go and meet Ronald, which you know, to me, yet yes, we all make bad decisions, but to me that that shows that you had the intentions of doing something, right? So, but according to TJ, he meets them, they get into his car, him and Ronald were talking, Ronald asked him, try to take his phone, try to see what's going on, he sees the messages. According to TJ, Ronald punched him. And so at that particular point, TJ was just, he just blacked out, lost it, he took out the knife and started stabbing him. Now, he also indicates that Kevin did escape, but he didn't. Kevin is driving. Now he didn't open up the driver's door. Instead, he kind of crawled over the passenger side to try to get out that door, and then TJ followed him behind him and started stabbing him, stabbing him, stabbing him, and stabbing him, and stabbing him. And on one account, it was indicated that Ronald, you know, basically was saying, "I'm sorry." He lifted up his hands, said, "I didn't mean this." But TJ continued to stab him. Now, according to TJ, he blacked out. He lost it. He didn't know what was going on. He had no intentions of harming Ronald, but he wanted to protect himself. All right. 
So at the end of the day, we're left with an individual who's dead. We have an 18 year old who claims that he was coerced into this relationship. In other words, he was extorted into this relationship or blackmailed into this relationship. And, you know, we just have so many unknowns, right? I I, I do want to take a very quick moment just to, to say this, that I, you know, in the event that this was not a power struggle, let's take out that. Or this was not a power dynamic where either party was being manipulated. But the fact that there was fear from exposure. Now, I'm going to talk about this from two perspectives. One perspective in the sense of people in the LGBTQ community. Sometimes I feel like you kind of forget your story, right? You forget your your trajectory of having the strength, the, the wherewithal to communicate with joy that you're part of this group, LGBTQ, right? And so sometimes there's an indication that because you've you've gone through something, right? As humans, we tend to do this because you've gone through something, you now can dictate everyone else's path. I, you know, I condemn that on all, all levels. I don't care what group you're in. You don't get to tell other people's story. You don't get to paint their pictures for them. Their path, their story, their trajectory is theirs. It's for them to make. It's for them to decide. Their struggles are different, right? And how they get through that struggle may not be identical to yours, right? The closet that they may be in does not look like the closet that you were in, right? So from that dynamic, I do think that, you know, people need to stop, think, and listen, right? And remember from whence they come, right? You got to always know that because everyone's story is different. Now, the other side of the coin of that is, is that, you know, black people, we need to get, we need to get it together when it comes to this. Look, people are going to do what they're going to do in the bedroom. It doesn't have shit to do with you. Okay. Stop shunning people. Stop making people feel bad because they choose to do X, Y, and Z. And that you don't need to do that. Focus on your own relationship. Focus on your own household. Focus on your money. Focus on your wealth. Focus on your health. Focus on your mental health. Don't be focusing on all this unnecessary BS. So there's always this fear of acceptance, right? There's going to be this fear of acceptance when it comes to particularly the black community, because I'm in a black community and I'm speaking from the black community. I'm not speaking for everybody, right? I don't think I'm L Sharpton and all that, but I'm <laughs> putting it aside now. But people just let people live. I mean, fuck, like let people live once for all period okay shit y'all ain't paying me i don't care what you do at all at all okay now that's that right so there could be an element that tj was so fearful of individuals finding out that he was gay even though he's claiming he isn't that he was gay and so it was something that was going to be so overwhelming that he couldn't t tolerate and the only way that he could prevent this was to shut off the person who knew that now that is a theory, okay? That's definitely a theory, okay? The other theory is TJ's theory. The theory of is that I was extorted. This isn't something I was ever wanted to do. I was accepted of the fact that Ronald was gay or liked to have relations with men, but it's not something that I wanted to do and he forced me into that. 
I'm only 18. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to make these decisions. And in fact, what his his attorneys were going to raise was the concept of extreme emotional disturbance, which basically means that I was so fucked up emotionally that to the point that I did not understand, appreciate what I was doing. And because of that, you cannot charge me with the crime of murder because that requires me to have some kind of intent. And because I was so blacked out, so confused, so not here, there's no way that I could form the, the requisite intent so that there can be a criminal charge against me, right? And so that's what the prosecution was fearful of. And so as a part of that, what happened is, is that the prosecutors decided to do a plea deal, whereas instead of charging TJ with first degree murder, they charged him with first degree manslaughter. Because of the claim about the emotional, extreme emotional disturbance, as well as his age, and when you read some of the transcripts from the court, what the attorney, his attorney basically was saying is that, you know, being gay in 2013 was difficult. People were not accepting of people's sexuality, not his attorney, but the prosecution. And so it was going to be difficult to carry the burden of proof to show that beyond a reasonable doubt that TJ murdered Ronald with the intent of doing so. And so, you know, at the end of the day, we have two individuals whose lives were lost. One who can't come back. Right. One who is in jail. He was sentenced to 12 years. And so that was in 2014. 2015 when he was sentenced so with that sentence he probably be out by 2027 but you know one of the things that the judge did say while sentencing and i think this was an important aspect and i think that that judge realized i'm just saying this i think the judge sitting through there sifting through the evidence hearing the evidence knew and understood that this wasn't anything that was forced and the reason i say that is that the judge said while sentencing this young man that I hope while you're in jail that you get your opportunity to be rehabilitated. And I hope that you're rehabilitated so that you can come out and help other men like you to be accepting of who they are, right? And I, I don't think she was saying you're being accepting the fact that you were a murderer, right? <laughs> I think she was being accepting the fact that you like guys. Do you? Like at the end of the day, it should that should not that should not be a hamper. It shouldn't be a black mark because, you know, you know what people do in their personal lives, what they do in the bedroom is their choice. How people manage their 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 marriages is their choice. Right. You know, we might we look at couples and be like, oh, my God, I would never be with her. Oh, my God, I would never be with him. I couldn't believe why she would let him treat her like this or why he would let her treat him like that. You you can't you can't do that because you don't know what people are speaking about intimately in their home and you don't know what they decide they may like that hell shit some people so turn on now but that is episode 51 episode 51 is who's the victim and why did i name it that because you're going to decide who you believe and who you think is the victim some people when you look at them the messages on this case people were saying that tj was the victim he was manipulated by the 27 year old who was trying to mold and shape him to be something that he did not want to be other people would say that hello ronald was the victim he's dead he was stabbed 19 times by this person who he was taking under his ring wing and whom he was engaged in a two-year relationship with 
So, but episode 51, remember to like us on Apple Podcasts, give us a review, like, and subscribe on YouTube. And until next time, continue to drink, listen, and converse. I'm going to continue this, this hellfire Manhattan. And until next time, boom, peace and love.